Hello and welcome to another edition of Lights, Camera, Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Very exciting today as we enter March Madness to have a special guest here. Jared Dudley from the Phoenix Suns joins us. Boston College graduate. I was a manager with him on those teams about 10 years ago now. Jared, welcome to the Lights, Camera, Sports podcast. Hey, man, I'm glad, glad, to, show, glad to show the show some love, man. It's good good talking to you uh man it's, uh, it's been a while though right you know we were talking about earlier i think this is right around 10 years to the day uh where we played uh texas tech bob knight in the ncaa tournament that first round game man it's, you know march match special time playing against bob knight i i think that uh as, as you can see now we spoiled a lot of boston college fans being in a tournament every year but tournament special and uh we never had the run like we really, really wanted to to get to the lead eight final four, but uh, to, to be able to go and get to the Sweet 16 a couple times, man, it's definitely something I look back on uh, as, as a positive in our, in our career. And we'll, we'll get to all that in a second, but first of all, man, you still got that feistiness going, the junkyard dog. What's going on? Brandon Jennings, you, I turn on Sports Center. You're, you're, you're in a fight with him. Yeah, man, that's how it is sometimes in the NBA. You got to stand up for teammates. Uh, they hit me for 35k, man. So I'm about to stop standing up as much as I did. But no, overall, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, overall, you know, it's it just you got to get your, your teammates back. And I, I think they got me because the headbutt. I didn't try to headbutt the guy. I tried to get in the guy's face, just stand up for my little point guard. He's a rookie. You know, the, the guy said something slipped to him, and then Brandon Jennings, I thought, took a little bit too, too took it a little too far with the point or the gun or whatever that might be, and. You move on. I mean, it's the NBA, man. You move on. There's so many games and stuff like that, and uh, our team's struggling this year, but it's good to be back in Phoenix. All right, well, let's let's just rewind it. Let's take it back a little bit here. You're you're from San Diego, Horizon High School. Just talk about Jared growing up in San Diego. What was it like, and was basketball your favorite sport from an early age? Yes, definitely. I always had a, a true love for basketball. Uh, started playing at a, at a young age, third grade. My mom put me in all sports, baseball, soccer, basketball, did everything except for football, wouldn't let me play football. And then by the time I got to high school, um, I, I wanted to pick my own high school. Uh, I really wanted to play in the NBA, wanted to play college. And at that time, the best basketball schools in uh, San Diego was Horizon, who won seven or eight straight CIFs. St. Augustine won four or five. Uh, and Horizon was right by my house that I grew up back in the day before I moved up North County. And it had a coach named Zach Jones who played in the NBA. They had college players that were going to college. And it was a perfect fit, man. And playing there, uh, we won three out of four CIFs in one state my last two years. And it helped mold me to the player that I am today. You know, and you mentioned your mom earlier. Talk about—I remember hearing about your mom. Talk about the devotion she had to you in terms of you know taking new practices, always being there for you while also working a full-time job. I believe she was a lawyer. Is that correct? Yeah, she worked at a law firm. My mom worked at a law firm. But overall, I mean, I mean, it's crazy how you know my mom is just someone who who invested in her kids and their dreams. Uh, working a nine to five like most parents, divorce. That's how it, you know, usually it is nowadays in, in this America, even though it's unfortunate. Uh, my high school, because I went, because I chose a, a private school that was far away from uh, the public schools I went to, uh, was about 40 minutes away. She drove me there. She went and drove back up, went to her work. After practice, she would drive down and being tired from a work week, she slept in the car. 
she gave up basically her personal life for myself because uh, my brother is seven years older. So by that time, my brother was already out the house. Uh, but it was just a mom who, who she always believed that, you know, that she wanted her kids to live a dream and, and go for it. And that she let me do that. And because of that, and because of what she's invested in me, I've invested in her. And now my mom is uh, retired, relaxing, living a good life and not doing, having no worries. Yeah, that's that's great too. And I remember just from my perspective, seeing her at BC, she would come a lot. Those games, cross country flights, staying over. Uh, she was, you know, really into it. Yeah, I mean, we we have a lot of kids, a lot of players from California. Me, Sean, and Craig, and uh, I, I think that she didn't know how good the situation really was going to be. She knew uh, Boston College was great academically. That's why she was. That's why she was all for it. Um, but she didn't care how far, how far the school was going to make an attempt to try to come out. And she came out she could. So let's let's talk about that recruiting process. How did it begin with the BC coming on horizon? What, what assistant coach met with you? Just give us a timeline of how it how it all happened. Get you to Boston Man, College. It, it, it happened so fast. Just to be honest with you, I never met with any coaches personally up to my recruiting visit. I was under recruited. I was getting ready to go to a prep school in the in, in, in summertime. I uh, didn't get. I only had uh, my senior year offers were Creighton, St. Mary's, and San Diego State. Which, if you look at it now, those are pretty good offers. Those schools are doing pretty well. But back then, Creighton was just the beginning of their of their reign because of Kyle Korver. I wanted to go to a bigger school to have a chance for the NBA. Prep school so prevalent on the East Coast, so I was going to go to uh, South Kent when Darrell Wright, who uh, he actually came out of high school, he was also going to go there with me for a year. Um, yeah, South Ca- in Connecticut. Had, yeah, in Connecticut. So I had a great summer. Played in the ABCD uh, All Star Game with Dwight Howard, Sean Livingston. All these guys are coming out of NBA early. Uh, played very well. Uh, was the only player on the All Star Game that wasn't ranked nationally. Um, and then what happened was BC had that big, you know, fiasco in the summertime. Uh, got kicked out, and one uh, their top freshman recruit of. Uh, I think his name was Dan Dan Stan Coleman. Coleman, yes. Uh, yeah. Left he left that summertime of being homesick. So they lost three potential key players in one summer. So in August they they try to recruit a kid, and they uh, Coach Cohen and uh, Al Skinner saw me play. Uh, I informed them in August what pre- what prep school I was going to go to, and it kind of was me really recruiting them in the sense of hey, I want you guys to really recruit me. And they thought their really recruitment was over. So Ed, uh, I, I call uh, my mom calls uh, Coach Cohen, who's now at Northeastern, let him know, hey, this is the prep school I'm, I'm going to be attending. He said, hey, let me call you back. He's like, hey, do you, would Jared mind coming out for a, a, a recruiting visit? And she's like, yeah, no harm done. He can come out because when you go to prep school, you get a whole new, a whole new visit. It, it restarts. Gotcha. I go out there in August. No one's on campus. It's me and Ed and, and Ed Cohen. We're watching movies on my visit. We're breaking down film, and basically they came to me like this: "Hey, we need you. You can play right away. You got to earn it. But this is what we want. This is what we see and envision for you." Uh, Al Skinner said it could be a perfect marriage. I went back home. I signed three days later, and I took a flight a week later to enroll in school. So, man, it was a wild process. Yeah, that's a great story. That's a great story. And who would think two, four years later you'd be ACC Player of the Year after all that said and done? Hard work. Uh, freshman year, we start uh, We start a couple freshmen, me and Sean, make the tournament. Next year, have a big year. All of us go 20-0, and 0, ranked. 
we, we, we kept the program for high standards, uh, was one of the top teams in the Big East, one of the top teams in the ACC, and I just thought my development, just like in the NBA, you got to develop. My jump shot improved, my body improved, my game improved, and because of that, I think our team's success, not only because of myself, but other key players, Tyrese Rice, Lewis Hennett, uh, it was definitely a team effort, and, and because of that, we have a lot of guys playing professional basketball that played uh, during our years at BC, and, and you could tell we had a lot of talent at that time. Yeah, no question about it. Jared, looking back on it, what was the biggest adjustment from uh, high school to college, and did you have that college moment? Sean Marshall came on and said playing against St. Joe's freshman year going up you know, against that great Elite Eight team uh, was the, his moment. Was there a moment when you were like, wow, I'm in the Big East or the ACC? Um, playing UConn at home, uh, at that, if, if, if anybody remembers, that's the year they won a national championship with Okafor, Ben Gordon, and uh, it was just like they were the number one team in the country. I think I remember I got my shot blocked by Emeka Okafor, who I later played with you know, four years later when drafted by the Bobcats, but he was player of the year. It was just another level. I mean, seeing someone 6'10 who could move, who could block shots like that, you knew that it was different. But, I mean, I was prepared. I mean, you couldn't tell me as a little kid I wasn't going to make it to the NBA. So I I, I felt, you know, when I went to BC, no one knew who I was. And within a month, I was starting as a freshman. So my confidence was an all-time high. I felt like I belonged but seeing UConn and seeing how good their team was was an eye-opener to me my freshman year. And then, you, as you mentioned earlier, you look to your sophomore year. I feel like that was the year you really emerged, too. The team started off 20-0. I remember, I think it was that big game you had against Villanova at home. Uh, you put up, what what was it, 36 points, I believe? And, uh, yeah, some, uh, yeah. Just talk so about you, that year. We got to number three in the nation, um, and things were cruising, especially the start of that sophomore year for you. We had a good balance of seniors, uh, you know, Watson, Craig Smith, um, um, with veteran leadership, and then me and me, Sean, were now, uh, we're now sophomores uh, taking the next step. We, uh, I think we bring, that's the year we bring in um, Sean Williams, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Where he, he adds a huge shot blocking. This is probably our team, uh, Lewis Hennett's a senior. He's a captain running the point guard. So we, we had, we had a, a great mixture of seniors that were uh, seasoned, and now our freshmen were grown up. And we hit the ground running. We, 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 we made some – you know, winning's contagious. Once you start winning, you start getting good. And uh, we, once we're 20-0, ranked as high as third, and now you got the bullseye. And we weren't used to playing with the bullseye just because it was the first time. And the pressure, ESPN game, Notre Dame, we lose. But at that time – I wouldn't say I wouldn't say our 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 schedule was soft, but we still had a lot of big games we had, we we didn't have to play. Pitt was good at that time that we didn't play Syracuse, who I do believe we did finally beat uh, at home at yes. that year. But overall, we had a tough schedule to end West Virginia, and we didn't finish the way we wanted to. But overall, it was a great year for the. Uh, for the, for the school of Boston College and, and putting it on the map nationally. And that kind of set the stage for the junior year. Your junior year, you came out of the gate against Michigan State in the Big Ten Challenge, uh, put up 30 points there. And then from there, it kind of took off and uh, all the way to that Villanova game. And I still think about that. That was a that game was uh, – you, you still cross your mind? You ever watch that? Sean Marshall said he watches it all the time on YouTube. I've never watched a game – since it, since it happened, to be honest with you, just because, I mean, it, 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 my, my junior year, I thought arguably was our best year. Uh, just overall where I, I knew if we were ever going to make a run, it was this year where 
Uh, Tyrese Rice comes in a freshman, so special. Sean Marshall's a senior. You hope he grew up and matured. I'm now a junior with Sean Marshall. We now physically are ready to go. Senior year's Craig Smith, player of the year candidate. We, this is the year I thought was our year. Going into the ACC, we felt like we were the best team in the ACC as Duke. Um, but overall, we had the talent. We had the swagger. We had everything you need uh, to be able to become a Final Four type team. You know, talk about that too, Jared. What's the difference? By this time that year, we're in the ACC. What's the difference, in your opinion, playing college, the Big East versus ACC? That's a great question. I thought Big East was a little more physical. I thought uh, I thought the, they were better shooters, um, and, and the game was faster in the ACC, uh, but you couldn't get away with the physicality, so we had to get used to that because we were used to bang in, flex offense, getting into it, and we kind of had to adjust. Um, I thought we did a great job adjusting, um, but, you know, it's different, different style of play, different reps. I mean, we knew the ref's name, you know, in the Big East. You know, we coming into junior year, um, I, I, I thought the coaches did a better job, ACC adjusting. Um, uh, you, you know, yeah, you got Coach K, you got, you got a lot of big-time coaches that, um, Roy Williams, that, you know, there weren't no spring chicken, that, 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 that definitely what they were doing out there. Did you ever talk to Coach K at all after the game when you were playing there, and when you're, especially when you ACC play of the year? Did he ever give you – any advice after games? He definitely did. He, he, he's always a nice player. Uh, he's always complimentary of me and to keep up my improvements, stuff like that, and how I've improved. Him and Roy Williams. Um, uh, I, me- uh, I remember after beating North Carolina, Roy Williams talking to me. I, hey, the coaches in the ACC were very respected. They, they definitely uh, uh, were very complimentary of players, and, and it was definitely a fun time for me. And it showed, too, that senior year. You, you, you Obviously, your ACC player of the year that year, uh, just give us your take going through that year. Obviously, you wanted to go a little further. We started a 5-0 in the ACC. Sean Williams gets kicked off the team. It's tough. From there, we lost to George down the round 32, but you had a dominant senior year uh, resulting in the player of the year. Well, I think the first time it was my team. It was Craig's team the th- uh, three years, I mean, uh, when I was there, just because he was a dominating factor, even though you know it, it could have been 1A, 1B. We ran through him. He was our best scorer on low. Uh, we played inside out. Uh, the then senior year, we focuses more to me, me being more of a, uh, you know, even more of a vocal leader, and and I took ownership of it. I tried to move Sean Williams to the, into my uh, building to try to help him, try to get, make him more mature. But the Sean Williams thing really was the fall of BC my senior year. Uh, we were good enough. We made the tournament. We were good enough to make a run, but without his shot blocking ability and to replace it where you just really – and we didn't have time to get adjusted. It was right, I think, it was before the tournament time and stuff like that. Um, he really put a hole in it. I'm, I don't know if we were a Final Four team-wise, but we definitely could have been a Sweet 16, uh, beat Georgetown um, that, that year. We were beating them in years past. It was a team that we were better than. Um, but overall, exciting year for myself to be ACC Player of the Year. Uh, it, it's something that you tell your kids – um, it, it was one of the best conferences, if not the best conference, and be the best player. Uh, it was rewarding of all the work that you put in coming from San Diego, going all the way to the East Coast, and being arguably the best player in the best conference uh, was big time for me. You know, just give your thoughts to wrap up the BC talk discussion. What's your thoughts, Al Skinner, as a coach? How did you like uh, playing for him for four years? Al Skinner is one of the best coaches I've ever had just because um, he didn't get the credit. He, he, he had great assistance, but he was a great coach. He, um, his demeanor on the floor made us be a good road team. He wasn't high-strung. He was even keel. He let me develop as a player. I think I led the nation in minutes two out of the four years I was there. 
um, calm, collective. He knew the best for our situation. We're running the flex offense. He was so good at uh, late game uh, play calling X and O's because we did it in practice all the time. He let players coach themselves in practice where our five versus their five coach yourself of what plays to run. Um, you know, you could tell he was a pro. I mean, when I mean a pro, you could tell he knew the NBA game, college game. Uh, Al, you can't talk about Boston College basketball and not mention Al Skinner at the top. He, with him hiring the right assistants, bringing the right players, you see now BC in the state that they're in, and that's because of probably how they, how they handled the Al Skinner situation. Um, he was a great player, I mean, great person, great coach. And I don't think he gets the respect that he did at that time, man. And I'm glad that we, we, we were so successful during that time. And people now are looking, when is Boston College going to get back to that? And it's, it's, hard. it's not easier said than done, man. It's hard. And a lot of it is getting the right players. Yeah, I remember, too, your time there, uh, practices. As you were talking, I was thinking about when you – I remember times when you were the coach in the scrimmage, as you said. And your enthusiasm was there. It was crazy. It was almost like a game during those practices. Those are, those are fun times with the scrimmages there. Yeah, you, I mean, that, that's what you, you get to work on your craft. and that, That's what, for me, it, I, I was working on my craft as a leader, as a player, um, uh, uh, of knowing people's strengths and weaknesses, trying to, uh, trying to get the best out of everyone. Um, and at that time, you know, that's how you get your basketball IQ up, what plays to run. And you're going against other good players at Boston College, and and for me, it's something I always remember uh, going those battles in that you know Conti Forum side gym, and and overall, I, I think it helped us become better people. And and, and that's because Al Skinner had faith in us. Ninety percent of coaches wouldn't even let you do it like that. And you know too, now playing the NBA, you see what practices are like, and you can, you can talk about that, compare that between the college level and the NBA. Al Skinner could have been an NBA coach. He really could have been just because of how his uh, low demeanor is, very prayer very player friendly um i mean i, I mean I, I can't say that's enough good things about him i know i know and people talk about me eventually going back to bc and coaching you never know what might what, what in the cards eventually but overall um for all my boston college alums and fans it's, it's hard to win in a school like that and you need the right coach recruiter to get the right players because the, the top players aren't lining up to go to bc so you got to go find a hidden gyms when you, when when there's a basketball tournament the hidden gyms are in the side gym, but not in the main gym, and and it's tough, and people will figure it out. Hey, I mean, last time I was at BC, man, we, we, I mean, this is my 10th year in the NBA. It was almost 10, 11 years, and really haven't been good since uh, Tyrese left that one year after yeah. him and Reggie Jackson. Oh, nine. Uh, was the last NCAA nine, I think about nine years, you know, maybe nine bad years. So it's been a long time coming. So, Jared, quick, quick, quick question. Say you're the coach at BC, and you're talking to a high school kid at a camp. Give us the elevator pitch to come to Boston College to play basketball. What are you trying to tell that recruit to see what they could do to come to BC? Well, first thing first, you got to you, 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 first thing first, you sell. You got to talk to the parents. It's the parents because the parents have huge influence. So when you're talking to the mom or dad. When you talk to the mom, you're talking to basically how you're going to help your son, how you're going to raise your son. She's expecting you to be a father figure. So you got to talk to you know Ed Cooley was great at this. He's now at Providence. It's basically hey, I want to make sure your son gets a, gets a degree. Because if basketball doesn't work out, your son needs a fallback plan. And what's better fallback situation than Boston College? A degree from Boston College is one of the top 30 schools in the country. So that's the first thing you're showing them. Hey, no matter if basketball works out, I'm going to take care of your son as a, as, and be a father figure and make sure he goes to class, make sure he gets his degree. And moms and dads want to hear that just because at BC, you don't get too many one and done. 
even when I was there, Craig Smith, myself, Sean Williams. There wasn't too many one and done. The last one was Reggie Jackson. And I think he I think he actually went two years. So uh, the point where I'm talking to you about that, that's how you got to sell the parents. Then to the player is you got to sell the style of, the style of, uh, of play, the system you're going to run. So for me, I'm more uh, not a flex player, but you have to adapt to times. These kids want to play fast. They want to shoot threes. They want to move the ball. So I'm all about sh- giving my system to a player where, hey, not only does this a good system for college, it will translate to you when you play in the pros. If you're pro, if you're pro dreams, this is a system for you to be able to come. And then I have to sell myself. Being a player who's in his tenth year in the NBA, I played a great. I played against great players. I played against a, a, a how to. If you're a seven footer, what do I see for you on our team? How how, how I see you coming a, a post player player development. So all those you, you got to pitch them. Um, I'm someone if I if I came back to BC, I would have the midnight madness. And I would have stuff where you have to you have to bring excitement. You got to be a car salesman. And so for me, my pitch is coming different ways: style of play, education, your degree, getting you to the NBA, having a, a, a dream, and then when you're on campus, sealing the deal. Wow, that sounds pretty good. Where can we sign them up? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, though. hey man, man, right now, right now, I got, I, got, I got a couple more years here in the NBA. But we'll see how it goes. Here's now, my qu- my question for you is: You're from Cali. Can you can you deal with the Boston weather? You want to? First of all, did you like Boston, the city of the Boston, when you were up here? Love the city. I, I'm telling you right now, there was just you could ask anyone from Matt Ryan to the hockey players. There's no one that did more in the city than me with my four years. I was always gone. Boston, I went to Celtic game, Red Sox games. I went down to the um, uh, what's that street down all the uh, all the, all the restaurants. Oh, it's Hanover uh, Street. Down, Hanover, I was over there, Hanover. I mean, I went everywhere. I mean, I, you got to think in the summertime, we stayed out there for two months for summer school. I was always going. My, my One of my good friends, Steve Haley, who went to BC with me for a couple of years yes. before he transferred, I'm still good friends with him. He, he's from Boston, so I was with him. He had a car because you, you couldn't even have a car on campus. We would drive around the whole city. I knew I went everywhere in, 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 in Boston, so – Everyone knows me in Boston. Sean Marshall said his favorite place was Antonua off campus. What, you had a favorite spot too? Uh, I, I used to go to Rumor downtown. Okay. That was the club I used to go to. Rumor was my spot downtown. Antonua was fun. Antonua, the good thing Antonua, it was all college kids. So at that point, I, I did the college thing, but I wanted to explore past BC. I was tired of, not tired of seeing people at BC, but you wanted to see more. I mean, you're a college. Like, all these, all these colleges, let's go to spots where all the schools come together, you know? And I, yeah, you you talk like that. That's a good recruiting pitch for BC too. You got a lot of schools, colleges out in the middle of nowhere. And here you're right. You're you're a good example. You want you saw the city. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these kids don't even care about that. To be honest, yeah, they don't care true. about the city. They don't go anywhere. You know, they, they care about getting to the NBA, how fun they're going to have, and and how can they succeed basketball wise at your school that's what they care about. so that's you're selling you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know boston yeah it's added it's a, you know that's when you, you you're recruiting you take them to a Celtic game stuff like that that's how you get them where you see boston fans are one of the best fans in not only in the nba and all the sports and bc when i was there we had one of the top programs not just basketball football baseball was good soccer was good so you have to hockey was the best you gotta you gotta you gotta bring that to, to, to these recruits. 
And now you're in the NBA, Jared, looking back. And let's just talk about how your progression of your time from the end of your college season now. I remember you went to the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. You had a big couple days there. Talk about that time until the leading towards uh, the NBA draft. Yeah, I didn't go to Portsmouth. I went to the NBA one. And so basically That's what, yes, exactly. um, I, left, I left my senior year with like a month ago before graduating out to Vegas to train. Went to Vegas to train. I lost some weight to get ready for my workouts, came back physically looking differently, um, and just worked my butt off. I, I had 18 workouts. Um, um, I, I, I played very well at the, uh, the NBA camp they had in Orlando and, and, and got drafted by Michael Jordan at the 22nd pick to Charlotte Bobcats. And did he call you that I, day? He did not. He uh my agent called me gotcha. and then after the next day, then I talked to Michael and, and, and when I flew out there, but I mean, they evolve. This is this how, uh, how I was at the recruiting, how, how my recruiting pitch would be for the players. I've done it. I shot 40% in, in college, my senior year, my first year in the NBA, I shot 19% from three. I worked on my game. I developed it on my third year at Phoenix Suns. I shot 45% was third in the NBA in three-point percentage. I became a three-point shooter. The way I play now in the NBA is night and day from when I played at Boston College. Did a coach because tell you you had to change your game, or did you just you kind of realize it yourself? I, I realized it. Like, hey, if you play with Steve Nash and Amari, Jerry, you're not going to get no post-ups like you did at BC. You're not getting no dunks. You're not athletic. How are you going to how are you making this lead? I'm going to make it be by a good defender, smart player, and a three-point shooter. You gotta have three point shooters because it's a star league, and you gotta give spacing to let these stars become stars. And the numbers back you up. You shot forty two point four percent in the playoffs with the Suns th- that year when you went deep uh, from three point line. So that's yeah, just... great teams. Yeah, great teams and stuff like that in the NBA. I mean, and, and that's how it is. And you know, like that's how your development has to work. Of, of, of each player's different. Each player has you know some players have to have good ball handling and, and get people involved at the point guard. Some centers aren't good at, in the post, so they got to be the shot blocker, high-energy guy. Some guys are just an all-around player. you gotta get a, you got to put the ball in their hands for pick and rolls, and that's something that a coach can help you with, but it's, you have to be ahead of the curve. That's why the stretch four, I moved to power forward You know, my last three. I saw it coming. I saw Draymond say, hey, I, why, don't, why don't I play stretch four? It'd be harder for power forwards to guard me. So I, I moved to stretch four. So – Next thing I'm, I'm working on this summer, that summer I want to extend my range. Like how Steph Curry shoots from 35 feet. I'll, in the summertime, I want to practice shooting three feet behind the three-point line. So now when I shoot a, a regular shot, it's going to look crazy. People are like, dang, why is Jared shooting? You practice it all summer. Now it extends range, and now people are going to be talking about Jared, his range next year. Well, you always be ahead of the curve. Yeah, that's well said. And, Jared, you've been ahead of the curve, too. Let's talk about the teams. You Bobcats, Suns. And then the Clippers, right after that, am I missing yep. one? Bunts, Sun Clippers, Clippers, and then the Bucks, right? And then the yep. Wizards, and now back to the Suns. So you, you you're willing to go everywhere. Just talk about what the lifestyle is like, you know, behind the give us a little behind the scenes. What's it like uh, playing the NBA? Crazy lifestyle. It, it's a dream come true. Best hotels, everything handed to you. You know, top of the line flights and first class seats, and. Um, but it's not, I mean, for every for everything that looks glitz and glamour, there's stuff behind the scenes. A lot of politics over here in the NBA. Who plays, who doesn't play, how much money does it make to that. Um, it's just the way it is. There's politics and everything, in every job. So it's, uh, so for here, overall, back here, being in Phoenix with a dream come true, coming back here, 
Uh, my best years were in Phoenix. Uh, I, I'm now, my role has changed. I'm now a veteran leader. I help young players now. That's, that, that's, a, that's something value I added. So playing in Milwaukee, helping all-star players like Giannis become an all-star, teach them how to make the next play, how to see, how to see the game from a veteran even though you're a young player. And that's what I'm trying to do now with our team. We're not very good. Devin Booker has a t- potential to be an all-star. So does Marquise Chris. I got to speed up their learning process and help them. Uh, but behind the scenes, man, it's, it's, it's crazy, man, from the gambling on planes to traveling, going out, nice restaurants. Um, I, I've had a great 10 years so far. Hopefully I can play three to five more. We'll see how that goes and then get into the next career. And who's been the, your favorite teammate to play with uh, over the years the, in the NBA? Steve Nash. Steve Nash? Steve Nash. He was the best one where he helped my basketball game grow. He uh, taught me a lot of stuff to see the league and how to improve in the league. He was the best one where just helped me as that. Um, probably the closest with Grant Hill. Uh, you see him now doing college games, You know, talking to him on a business standpoint, learning the business, life after basketball. Funniest teammate, Shaq, hilarious, <laughs> a clown. So and I play with a lot of great players, a lot of good stars, and I think this will help me for my next career. Give us a qu- quickly, give us a crazy Shaq story. What's he in the locker room or something? Behind oh man, scene? Shaq used to Shaq used to run around, uh, used to run around the training room and practice court butt naked. Uh, <laughs> crack jokes. He come in there and you, if you if you go and match someone who's three hundred pounds, seven one, run, run around butt naked. It's not a, it's not a. Uh, it's not a, a nice sight to see, but no, he was a funny <laughs> dude, Pr- prankster, always doing stuff, throwing popcorn in your in your car for the rookies. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Jared, so where we let's look at Jared Dudley. Last question here. Three, five years down the road, where are we seeing Jared Dudley? I, say, I, I assume you probably still want to be in the NBA, right? I, 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 I signed a three-year deal, so this year I got two more years. And I think after this year, I can sign a two-year deal, at least, if not a two, at least a one. So I, I would say, for me, the next three to four years, I, I should be in the NBA. After that, that's where it gets foggy, where can your body hold up, how it is. And then that's what you got to think. And, and I think for me, I, I'm right now mulling, mulling the decision. Do I get into the media, work for ESPN or Fox Sports, and, and do this whole Jalen Rose thing, where you can maybe do a podcast like yourself, radio show, TV shows, first take, sports center, traveling, doing that, working six months out the year, or do I get on my grind and, and do my first love and try to become a college basketball coach and work my way up and eventually become a head coach and, and do it my way? So those are the things you're molding. A uh, lot more free time being in, in the media for me from a player standpoint and doing what I want to do. A uh, lot more beneficially financially with the coaches, coaching, but – We'll see how it goes, man. We'll see uh, the connects I make throughout the, these next three, four years, and then I'll make a decision. And, too, you're married with kids now. Just talk about the family life with all the BC fans out there. Tell us what you've been up to hey. personally. Oh man, oh, man, personally, man, I'm out here in Arizona by the home. Yeah, married, kids, got my son, got my girls. Uh, it's, 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 I've been blessed. You know, God has definitely blessed me. Um, you never forget where you came from, from my family, and, and be able to have it here. Uh they're number one. It's funny, you know. We, as a as a as a person growing up in San Diego, I thought about myself, get my degree, make it to the NBA. Now I'm in the NBA, make a lot of money for my mom, let her retire. And then once you start, you know, having your own family and you have your own kids, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. Uh, you know, my kids have their college fund already 
set and ready to go for when they're ready. You always try to think about their future and everything. And um, and a lot of my alumni is probably the same class. You know, at this time, most have kids and stuff like that. It's one of the best things in life, and I'm glad to be able to have that experience there. Hey, well, Jared, that's a great way to wrap it up. You talk about the most important thing in life. That's the family. You're right. You said it. And, uh, you know, we always appreciate Jared, a part of the BC family as well. Take some time. And hopefully, Jared, too, will see BC in March Madness in the next couple of years. Get them back going here. Hey, man, great to be on the show. I'm glad what you're doing, man. Keep it up. I'm going to tweet this thing out, man. Get you love. Uh, you got a voice for radio. I remember you back in the day, man. So keep doing your thing, man. Keep grinding. Thanks once again to Jared Dudley. Phoenix Suns, former BC basketball player, taking time out of his day to help us out here in the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. It was always nice to catch up with him. Who knows? Maybe he will be a coach at Boston College down the road. You can see where his passion lies. So thanks so much for joining us. I'd like to remind everybody, you can subscribe to the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast on iTunes. We're also on SoundCloud as well as on the BC Interruption SB Nation a website right there. So a lot of ways you can catch the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.